Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us as your people. I'm always reminded of my inability, and uh, thank you for your kindness to help all of us, especially me at these moments. Uh, I'm really still that 19-year-old kid who was knocked off his, his, the horse of his life. And my, my life changed because you, you preached to me. So, Lord, help me to rely on you as I share and help uh, all of us that this could be really good news today. And um, in the name of Christ we pray, amen. Amen. Yeah, it really is remarkable uh, and sad and just, uh, wow, I'm really taken uh, I, really, I just when I heard this news from Paris, something hit me in the stomach. I was driving in Honolulu at the time, and I just uh, I just uh, felt sick right away. And uh, I think this is not only in our own country have we had this, but I think this is a big big game changer for for Europe. Um, well, I, I want to give another uh, chance at. Galatians 5, uh, verses 5 and 6 is really what we're looking at this morning. Uh, I think next to John 3.16, I think I discovered this verse really about 10 years ago. I think for me personally, next to John 3.16, which is beautiful, it's one of the most beautiful passages, I think, because it connects, it connects beautiful theological truth with our lives. It's sort of inescapable. It, that beautiful phrase... Faith working through love, it's inescapable how it, you almost have no place to run. Oh, okay, I guess that's what faith's supposed to do. (laughs) And and I I just love how it's a beautiful application. It's sort of the crescendo, I I would say, of all that Paul has said up to this point in Galatians. Uh, It's sort of where the Galatians have gone off track, I find myself uh, in this passage. And so... I want you to concentrate for the first little bit here on verse 5. And I want you to notice that what's going on in verse 5 is, is this, this reminder of the gospel. And the gospel produces this righteousness in us that's borrowed, is not ours. And this also produces a hope for the future. Do you see that there in verse 5? It's a very simple idea where Paul expresses it in this way, for through the Spirit, by faith, notice the Spirit is doing this, and then faith is the key, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now, if the Galatians could get this down, they would not have turned to Judaism's legalisms, Jesus plus something else makes me okay, if they could have really understood how secure they were in Jesus, they would have known they've already got a seat at the stadium, and they don't have to be anxious out in the parking lot working some deal to make sure they get inside. So you've already got a place, it's already secured, doesn't that feel good also when you go to a special event, you keep staring at your ticket like, oh, I'm really going to go, I'm really going to go, I'm really going to go, right? That's, it's kind of cool, right? <clears throat> um, so you've got to stare at the ticket a lot. 
And if you keep staring at that ticket, something will happen because you'll really be convinced you're going, right? So that's one of the keys to the Christian life. My problem is I'm not really sure I'm going. So I'm working these deals, and I try all these things. And so at verse 5, hang on to verse 5 because it connects with verse 6. Now let me illustrate verse 5 for you. Um, It goes like this. Um, January 8, 1983. Uh, If you were born after that, um, you missed a lot of really important events in the world, like our wedding. Um, And uh, our wedding was at 1 p.m. on uh, on a street in San Mateo, a church in San Mateo, and the street's name is Alameda de las Pulgas. Only one Spanish speaker here giggled a bit, a little bit. I can translate that, Milda. It's the Avenue of Fleas. Yes, all right. So we got married on the Avenue of Fleas, and and um, sorry, but here's what happened. At one o'clock, I'm in the back of the church, and. At one o'clock, for some reason, I think I heard a chime inside the back, the back of the church, or I heard some, some, something, a bing, bing, you know, one o'clock, and uh, this, this nervousness just went over me, craziness, crazy nervous. And then a church secretary, I'm not sure what she was doing there on Saturday, but she came running out and saying, is Todd Capen here? I'm going to get married. I'm about to open, I'm, I'm, I'm getting married now. It's happening. And then someone says, is Todd Capen here? I said, yes, barely. <laughs> no. Um, nervous Todd Capen's here. And she says, well, there's a phone call for you. It's hard to be popular, isn't it? You know? So, um, so uh, it's, it's my Aunt Arlene. Uh, she always calls in the most inappropriate times. Um, and I said, uh, Arlene, how are you doing? She says, we're in, pa- we're in a panic. Our flight was late. Where's the church again? And Arlene is an amazingly uh, proactive person. Uh, she is a musician. She's tr- a piano teacher. And one of her prodigy students was her own daughter. And her name is Dawn Harms. And uh, Dawn uh, was a violinist uh, and is a violinist. And she was to play you know, Ave Maria. Right, right. Okay, so this was supposed to go on at our wedding. Well, I had no idea what was going on outside. Dawn is at the airport. It's 1 o'clock. We're getting married. Okay. So I, tell, I say, Alameda de las Pulgas, give the name of the church, and, uh, and that's all I knew. And so Arlene was at the phone booth, and she took the, the, uh, the phone booth uh, pre-cell phone people. Um, <laughs> so she takes this telephone book, and, and she's one of these people, and she took the church, and she just, yeah. And so jumped in the cab, and the cab driver knew where the, the church was, and, uh, and I don't know why or how, I'm not going to ask how fast they drove, but they're on their way. Well, the wedding is underway, um, and halfway through the wedding, uh, we are kneeling and praying, and uh, I've completely lost sight of Don Harms, my violin cousin, and we hear the violin right on cue. Crazy. Like 18 minutes later, they made it to the church on time. 
And um, this, for me, is a picture of what, what it might be like for us to hope and to fulfill verse 5 in our lives a little bit more consistently. See, in that moment, um, I was so in love, <laughs> so happy, and nervous, but so connected to the happiness of the moment that the violin playing or not playing didn't matter. And so I think that illustrates what verse 5 is sort of seeking to communicate to us, is that is that if we are eagerly waiting by faith through the Spirit for the hope of righteousness, you see, I'm anticipating marriage, you see, and this is so much more than a violin playing on time, you see. You see, it, it has a weight to it where the violin, being all concerned about that, it just doesn't make any sense, see? Because it's really not the point of the gathering to listen to my cousin play her violin. And so it gave me, in that moment, I, I just, I, I was able in this moment to realize, of course, the weight of a wedding. It would make sense that you could put other things aside. So I want to appeal to you that really the issue in our hearts is not sort of the technical order of life. It's not the circumstances, and it's not the people. It is the heart that has failed to eagerly wait. It's the heart that has lost track of the gospel treasure, the love that's there, committed to you, solid for you. It is the heart that is no longer eagerly waiting. Now, this is a love letter from the Apostle Paul. It starts in the heart of God for the Galatians. It has some tough language, but it is motivated for love by love, that they would embody the very love that they have been loved by. So um, what's remarkable is is that commands to love are throughout the Bible. There's lots of them, commands to love. But I don't know if you've ever noticed that just by reading those commands, have you ever noticed that you really don't have power to do it? I mean, you could read these commands, and then you kind of, something happens where it doesn't quite, doesn't quite work. It doesn't come into your life. Now, let's drop down for a moment to this idea of faith working through love. See, there's a connection. What kind of faith? What is the, what's the connection? What, why does he bring up in verse 6, faith working through love? Faith, I am so assured, I'm so connected to Jesus I'm so, I know I have a ticket to the stadium. The, the wedding's underway. I'm okay. Faith, I can, I can enter into what I am, I am loved for. I know where I am going. I am secure. And then once that faith begins to get ignited, the faith gets warmed up. The faith becomes real, energized. Faith begins to now move. And it is no little faith. 
Faith sounds like a small little word, but it's actually connecting to great power. Faith working, faith working through love. So we need, I need, continual grace encouragements, grace reminders. I need continual training in how to have an eager hope, verse 5. This is where God gives you the means of grace through fellowship, prayer, scripture, preaching. God is after your eager hope. And so we as a church are blessed every time we get together because God declares he is in our midst to to produce this this eager hope. God God is seeking this by the Spirit right in this moment. And so the the Spirit's role among us is to assure us of this eager hope. Now, I would like the Spirit to do other things for me, other comforts for me, but the Spirit's very focused in his ministry. So, um, and then I just want to—I want to highlight just a couple things. And it's been—it's been a challenge, from way by way of a sermon here, to kind of put a beautiful order to this thing. And it's—it's it's sort of moving. I'm moving into different areas. And so, uh, those of you who love a beautiful outline, please uh, may faith work through uh, love toward the preacher this morning. Um, I, I noticed in verse six a little tiny phrase that is always overlooked, especially, I don't know what it is. I I tend to overlook it. Look at verse 6, very beginning. For in Christ Jesus, I want to stop there. For in Christ Jesus, one of the most repeated phrases in the New Testament, in Christ That is critical. Let's stop. Let's back up and let's not go any further until we get this down. I want you to grasp this and understand this. And I don't know if if one teaching moment on this will do it. But here, this is vitally important. In Christ means the dawning of an age. The dawning of a time. This means an era has fallen upon the earth. An era is available now for fallen mankind. You are hearing about it now. An age of peace, forgiveness, grace. God is, through the preaching and proclamation of the gospel, God brings an era upon the world. And once that has arrived, where Jesus declares very clearly, The kingdom of God is here. Once that arrives, Christians should begin to live differently and see things differently. For instance, that blustery gray day 
December 17, 1903. The Wright brothers on the beach, North Carolina, is that right? God, okay. I'm from California, so bear with me. The first propelled heavier-than-air aircraft. An amazing flight, 120 feet, 12 seconds. When that happened, an age dawned upon the earth, upon the world. There's still trains, still other modes of transportation, but from that moment in December 1903, the age of aircraft, of travel, of that all, it all started. You think of Gutenberg's printing press, 1450. The meticulous hand-copied books were now a thing of the past and now movable type. Others may have discovered it first, at least in Europe, Johannes Gutenberg, the first printed Bible by a movable type. And then, of course, we think of these professors in Massachusetts at MIT and others in California in 1964 and began the concept of computers. 1964, computers talking to one another. The digital age. Can you imagine going back to an age where there's no airplanes? An age uh, without the kind of books that we enjoy or an age without your computer connecting around the world? Well, in the Bible... That little phrase, in Christ, is the dawning of an age that is remarkable. The age of forgiveness, the age of hope, the age of the promise of the new heavens and new earth, the age of the resurrection. And, and it has now, this age, has come crashing into you such that you can now claim it as your own. In Christ. Now, if you have that, If you have that age, if you are born again, assured of eternal life, the resurrection life forever and ever and ever, the new heavens and new earth are yours. If you are in Christ, it makes sense, then you would say, in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. Do you see how it goes? It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you got everything. You have a different understanding of even time itself. Beautiful. Now, back up so we hear, just in case you haven't been with us, circumcision essentially relates to the idea of conservative, moral, rule-keeping, religious ideas. It's moralism, legalism. Circumcision represents religion. Uncircumcision represents, um, I don't know, irreligion or Jimmy Buffett's 1977 song, uh, Margaritaville, right? I'm just looking for my lost shaker of what? Salt? Come on, don't be looking so... How many of you have sung that song? Jimmy Buffett, not very concerned about 
uh, keeping up religion, right? Um, crazy, honest song, despairing song. He walks out, feels the pain of living, and returns to his house for another batch of margaritas. Essentially, um, that person needs to know, irreligion, that they are not too far from the love of God. So it doesn't make you so bad you cannot be loved by God. So if you are here and you are struggling and you have tried through various pursuits to find happiness and you find yourself feeling like so far away from, from God's love, I want you to know it cannot separate you. Just genuine faith in Jesus can bring you as close as anyone else. So what, what Paul has done is he has said, just by faith has really relativized everything else. And so, what matters? Now, here's where you need to do the work. I really encourage you, take out some, a journal, three by five cards, begin to notice in your heart and in your life what matters. Because what mattered to the Galatians so badly got the attention of the Apostle Paul and they got their own personal letter (laughs) recorded in Scripture because they had lost sight of the gospel. This tells us a great deal about what it's like to be a Christian. We each could have our own letter from Paul if he was still around here today. This means that in some way or another, we would fall to the direction of religion or to the direction of irreligion. But neither of them can do what Christ can do. What matters is an area that is inside the heart that is an area of radical disorder. It should it, it, let us be honest with it ourselves. If we go inside the heart, like the typical pop song would say, follow your heart, that's usually the place of trouble. That the heart needs constant training to, in living by, living by faith. So I would encourage you, I am pleading with you, and you you do this for me, is Sunday morning is not enough. I'm almost wrapping this up. This is not enough to warm your heart for the day-to-day things that you face. And I would encourage you, if you enjoy disciplines, and I think we all need disciplines, The discipline of grace, early in the morning, if this works for you, find the scripture that warms your heart to the love of God. Review them in your mind. Review them for your heart. Reorient your heart because by the time you are pouring your cup of coffee, your heart has already expressed disorder. 
And I would just, if I could do anything here, I can't, uh, I can't in my own power to express to you that wherever there is a breakdown in love, usually there is a breakdown in faith. So if you sense that you're not loving, then there's some way or another there's a breakdown in faith. See, I want you to go back to our wedding day. Uh, I think I was probably in, on pretty good behavior that day. But why? Because I was sensing being so well-loved. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you want to go to some great concert and you're, you're outside in the parking lot and you're looking at your ticket, how are you toward other people? You're not, you're not usually crabby and touchy, and right? How are you? You're going to your, the great concert you want to see, and you are loving and giving and kind. and you know, you're, In other words, your heart is filled with the joy that is coming. See, we are a gathering of people who know something remarkable, folks. And I'm going to, I'm going to end with this. Do you know what was so upsetting about Jesus' ministry, his teaching ministry, particularly in Mark chapter 2 when this paralytic was lowered down and he never walked and the Pharisees are in the front row? Nathaniel, you should have gone. As they're lowered down, Jesus says, in order that you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, I will say to this man, Stand up and walk. So when he stood up and walked, it wasn't just that he, he was a magician. Something far more profound was going on. Anybody can say words, your sins are forgiven. But not just anybody can cause someone who's never walked to walk. So when you see him stand and walk, you know I have authority to forgive sin. What's so outrageous about this is this. The Pharisees believed that people's sins could be forgiven, but you never knew until Judgment Day. Well, Jesus says, surprise, surprise, you can know now. The Pharisees said in their heart, who can forgive sins but God alone? You and I are the most privileged people on earth in this particular sense. You know now, if you have faith in Jesus, you know now what the future will reveal. Is that not the coolest stuff in the world? You can walk in, on this earth with all the troubles and all the heartaches. You can know for sure, what Judgment Day will reveal. This was the inbreaking of the kingdom. The kingdom is an age of forgiveness, and it has come into our hearts. What is the Holy Spirit's primary work in us? It's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. You've got a seat in the stadium. Oh, be eagerly hoping for this. Ask God to help the pastors, the elders, to be eagerly hoping for this. And then what will happen? It connects with our faith. And then that faith is no passive faith. It's an active, 
welcoming out in the parking lot before the concert. It's a after church, engaging, engaging new people, being able to move a bit out of your comfort zone. It's, it's a faith that's moving and active and embodying the same love that we were loved with. This is how God wants to show himself to the world through the body of Christ. So you are blessed, your ears are blessed, your eyes are blessed, you can see, perceive and understand these things. And uh, may faith work through, through love. What matters so much to you? Well, think about what mattered so much to those who gathered and crucified Christ. He was not enough. In some way or another, he was not enough. And God was willing to enter into this world and take on the rage of mankind who, in his foolishness, thought what mattered so much would be the death of Christ. And through that love, God has saved us. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot of things that matter to me, and um, there's a lot of things that matter to everyone here. Father, would you ignite faith working through love in each of us 